You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Let's just let's just go, okay? We're just getting in it. I, I'm really excited for this word. Um, you know, and I, I shared this. We we sang "Shout to the Lord" again this this week. I I love that song. I love any song that commands a response from you. That you command yourself, your flesh, your body to respond. You shout to the Lord, all the earth. Demanding that all of creation in this moment, and we have that authority. If you are operating in the will of God, you have that authority to command even the trees, the rocks, and the grass, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea. You will sing shouts of praises to the Lord. Amen? And so I love when we get to do that. And I also love... When we call upon the presence of God, Shekinah glory come down. And man, I could feel it. I could feel His presence in here, and it's just awesome. And this is wonderful. I was telling my dad last night, I have had more fun preaching in the last couple of weeks than I think I've ever had. I just, it's fun. Okay? It's fun. And now I've got a cool little runway. Uh, this is just for me. Okay? I was tripping over the chairs, and I was having a hard time finding the stage, so Melissa set this up for me. Um, no, we've got VBS coming this week, church, and this is pivotal. This is, um, remember that we've got VBS coming up this week because this sermon is going to apply to the fact that we have kids of this community that don't call this church their home, but they will be here. They will be here. They will be here. They will be in, in this place where the presence of, presence of the Lord dwells and where the people of God operate in the Spirit, and we have the opportunity to feed spiritually the children of Sundown, Texas. What an honor, right? What an honor. Be a part of it. But remember that. But let's, let's get started. We're going to do a little bit of a review because it's important to build upon it for this morning's message. But Romans 8, verse 12. We'll read some of what we read last week. Romans 8, verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if we, you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds... Of the body you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, and you, do, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Um, 26, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son of God in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? 
Is it God who justifies? Or it is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, even in persecution, church, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor uh, rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. If you didn't know who you are when you walked in, you know now. Okay? If, you, if you're confused, that was in Romans 8. If you need a reference point throughout your week, go to Romans 8. It tells you all you need to know. Every word I just read was and is talking about you. Amen? You hold more value than you will ever know. And you are highly favored. And we talked about that word last week. Favored. That we as children of God are favored and we need to operate accordingly. Recognizing that the favor of the Lord is upon me. Because when I see the favor, I recognize that the favor of the Lord is upon me, I can look throughout my story and I can see the evidence of His favor everywhere. I had this wonderful and amazing opportunity. I... And this is all because of Melissa and Zach, but they introduced me to a pastor in Lubbock. Uh, like-minded man, operates in the Spirit, loves the Spirit of God. Um, and he has pulled me in to this group of pastors in Lubbock. And I'm telling you, it is so much fun. I, I, I got to meet with all of these guys for the first time. Or not all, uh, not all of them, but uh, a smaller group of them. I got to meet with them Thursday. And we got to talk about that reality. They're, they're, they're in the midst of so many different things. And it's so funny because this church is linked to so many of those people and we didn't even realize it. So many of these pastors have been affected and are being blessed currently by members of this house and they didn't even know it. So cool. So fun. And this is, if you don't know this, this is the trend of Sundown Church. Sundown Church is interwoven into so many more places than you could ever fathom. It has sent out so many people and it has so many people that are in the right place at the right time to minister to other ministries, pastors and people. And it's just been beautiful. But we got to talk about this reality of favor that when I understand that I have the favor of the Lord, know what it also does? It keeps my preferences in check because I can expect from God. I, can, I expect God right now in this season. I expect God to move mightily in our city. But preference is where we get in trouble, right? Well, I would prefer if he acted like this. I would prefer if he did it like this. And that's when we get disappointed because he doesn't operate on our preferences. Amen? Praise God for that because we are narrow-minded. We see so little. And if it was only by my preference, this would be a sad world. Amen? Amen. But when we recognize that it's, it's good to have expectation, horrible, hor- a horrible thing to have a preference over God, but in that place we can see. His favor that is all over us. His favor that is, that is overwhelming and overflowing over us. Amen? It's a beautiful thing to recognize His favor. Hey, Steve, can I get a little bit less of myself? I'm like, I feel like I'm yelling at me. I want to yell at them, not at me. Okay, it's their turn. 
But your, your yes to the Father and the Spirit's leading, it puts you right in the middle of that favor. And it allows us to recognize this reality that you are so, so, so very favored, that He has called you into the valley. And this was the meat of last week. He has called this house, and this is the revelation that He has revealed this to us, but He has called this, this house into the valley that we would do as Ezekiel did. And we would speak as the Lord gives us utterance. And what we would walk out of the valley with would be a mighty army restored to the fullness of glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And that's what he said. That is what he said this house will do for this community. To raise a generation up out of the grave and lead them to the mountaintop. To lead a community into the kingdom and to deliver to them restoration. To introduce to them their maker and to introduce to them themselves. I, it, it's been an ongoing thing, and this is normally what I do in counseling. All I'm doing is introducing people to who God has called them to be. I'm just introducing them to them in the eyes of God, no longer in the eyes of the world. That's all counseling is. That's all Randy ever did. That's all I'm ever doing. I'm just introducing people to who the Lord has called them to be, who they truly are. Amen. And so we get to do that for our entire community. We have been anointed. If you are in here, if you are hearing these words right now, you have been anointed to be these people that would deliver restoration to the Valley of Dry Bones, that would introduce them to their maker and would introduce them to who they are called to be. And you would lead them out of the valley. Amen? Amen. You have been called not to lead a broken people out of the valley. This is another important thing. When does restoration happen? In its fullness, it happens in the valley. We, we, we have got this so messed up because we have always looked at escaping the valley as quickly as possible. But I'm telling you, that's where transformation takes place. Because without that transformation, you can't get to the next peak. You can't go from glory to glory to glory if the Lord is not transforming you every step of the way. Amen? And so when we go down there, I need you to understand this. I didn't get to hit on this last week. Uh, I, I just missed it. But I need us to understand this, that when we go into this valley, we don't go into this valley to lead a few broken people to the mountaintop that they could be restored there. We go in with a completed work. And we will leave with a completed people. You hear what I'm saying? Amen. We're walking out of this valley with a restored community. Amen? Amen? We will lead them fully restored out of the valley. He has given us this task, church. I heard him say it this week as I was just reflecting on it. Thinking about this, this task that he's given us, this word that he's given us, of, this word of action and his leading and he's given us this task, and I heard him say this week, because he trusts us with it. That's important. If you feel less than, that ends right now. Because the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, trusts you with the lives of an entire community. That's profound. What honor and what value you must have and favor you must have if He entrusts to you the entirety of a city of people. That will be, and I, I said this, and this was, this was totally received by these pastors, but the Lord has revealed that the, the key to revival in big cities will be rural communities. We, we will be the gatekeepers of revival in major cities. And I said this, I, the, the key to revival in, in Lubbock 
will be the transformation of these rural communities like Sundown and Leveland and Ropes and Plains and Whiteface. These places is where the Lord is establishing His presence and we will be the gatekeepers that bring transformation to the bigger cities. Amen? That's profound. That's so fun. That's so amazing. What an honor that we have to serve this King and that He trusts us to that extent. He trusts you. He trusts me. But what does this look like to raise a valley of dry bones? What had to happen? Let's look at Ezekiel 37 again. Uh, just again for review and to emphasize this point. What has to happen? In Ezekiel 37, we'll start in verse 1. We'll kind of jump around a little bit. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. Ezekiel had to be placed in the midst of the valley of the dry bones, right? It's important for us to hear that before the Lord commanded anything of him, what did he do? He put him in the midst of where he needed to use him. Okay, do you hear what I'm saying? Ezekiel was not on the mountaintop looking down in the valley being commanded by the Lord. The Lord took him and put him in the midst of the work that he was about to have him do. Do you hear what I'm saying? You have to be open not only to the work of the Lord, but for His placing you where He needs you for this work to be completed. Do you hear what I'm saying? We have to be open to His placing. Amen? Do you hear, do you hear me, church? Yes, I'll get Steve to turn it up again, and I'll yell at you, right? So I, I can't remember who said this, but somebody was talking about how I'll get down in your face if, if, uh, if I don't feel like you're, you're with me. And somebody's like, he won't really do that. It's like, no, he's, he's come down here and done it before. And they're like, it was uncomfortable. And so if you want to keep your comfort, you know how to keep me on these steps. You just respond or I'm coming to you and we're going to talk about it real close. I have no personal space bubble. I'm good with invading yours. Okay. All right. Keep me on the stairs. All right. Verse four. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I, was, as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. Ezekiel had to be placed in the midst of them. He wasn't meant to be far off. He was in the middle of them, in the valley with them, when the Lord commanded him to speak. When the Lord gave him the word of transformation, the word of power, the word of renewal, of restoration, that would begin the work that the Lord had intended for Ezekiel to do, all that had to happen before, he had to be found where they were. We as Christians for far too long have expected the valley of dry bones to assemble themselves and come to the mountaintops where we're hanging out so that I can transform you. I've got a word from the Lord, so just come to me and then I'll give it to you. Where in this have we ever seen in Scripture the example of, of, of ministry? Where has this been the example to where you sit still and the Lord will bring those who need you to you? Even Jesus, even Jesus went to where they were. Every instance, Jesus went to where they were. And think of the prodigal son. 
Did his dad see him far off and wait for him to come? No, his dad saw him far off and he ran to him. This is who Jesus is. This is his heart. And so how can we be any different? He has no expectation of us to sit still and wait for them to come to us. He has every expectation of you to go to where they are. Amen? Luke 13, verse 18 says, it'll be on the screen. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and it became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. I love that first, that first little example, because you've all seen a mustard seed. And then you all see what they grow into, right? And what's implied here is the man didn't put it outside of the garden. He put it in the midst of the garden. This massive tree. This, mass, this tree that's going out of this tiny little thing that's going to grow into this beautiful thing. He put it in the midst of the garden. Okay, we missed that point. He didn't, he didn't put it on the outskirts of it. He put it in the middle of it, okay? And this is the example of the kingdom. And now verse 20. And again he said, to what, shall I to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. I love this example too because she hid it in the flour. What does that mean? It was so mixed together that you could not separate the two any longer. Do you hear that? And what does the leaven cause? What is the result of adding the leaven? Causes the bread to rise. Causes it to form and grow into the shape that they would have it make. That it would expand, that it would grow, that it would, that it would double in size. The man sowed the seed in the garden not far off on its own. And the woman worked the leaven into the flour. It says she hid it in the flour. Meaning it was so mixed in again, so intertwined with the flour that you could not separate the two. And that mustard seed in the middle of garden, that leaven mixed into the flour. This is the kingdom of God. This is what he's comparing the kingdom of God to. And we are to be the men and women taking it and planting it and mixing it into the culture of sundown Texas. So much so that you can no longer separate the two. For too long the church has been disconnected from the culture. And then we complain about the culture. You want to know why you don't see the kingdom? Because you're not engaging with it. Right? I'm not saying that everybody has to go out and get an iPad and Mac and, all, and get social media. Actually, more people are leaving social media now, and it's a beautiful thing, this exodus of social media. Praise God. I love it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about engaging with the people around you that are not going to be found in here to be where they are. Not wait for them to come through those doors. We cannot be that, that cannot be the model of church any longer. We are in the valley. We are here to establish the kingdom of heaven in the middle of the culture in the valley. Ezekiel, again, he did not speak over them from afar, but in their midst. And church, it is time for us to engage with the culture. And let's just look at sundown. And this is, a, this is a beautiful example uh, of Jay and Carrie. If you want to hear a little bit of their story and how they're engaging with the culture, they're engaging with their neighborhood. And I had a conversation uh, with uh, Jansen 
uh, Ronnie Kate's neighbor, who is a pastor at Church on the Rock in Leveland, which is awesome. Church on the Rock is in Leveland now. This is a spirit-believing man of God, and so I am pumped that we have that house now just a couple miles down the road. Like, praise the Lord. Um, but he was talking about how, how evident the presence of God is in their neighborhood. And he's just like, this Melanie Park is a special place. And he's just talking about it. And I'm sitting there listening and I'm hearing all this stuff. And I'm like, I know the people that have helped establish that because they engage with the culture. And they have a lot of cool stories of ways that they've engaged with the culture. But how, how do you engage with the culture in Sundown, Texas? Well, it's, it's real easy. It's a small community. There can't be too much going on. So what is, the, what is the main source of entertainment in our city? That building over there. That building over there. Because there's not a lot to do, and our kids do a lot with that. And where our kids are, and this is one of the coolest things about Sundown, Texas, that I have admired since I've gotten here, uh, since we've been here, that's unlike a lot of other communities, but Sundown Sundown travels really well. You always know when you're playing a Sundown team, not because of the, the, the letters on their jerseys, but because the stands are packed with people. It does not matter how far away it is. There, there is a presence of Sundown, Texas in those places. And, so, and that is a wonderful culture thing. That is a beautiful thing about Sundown, Texas. So much of the culture of this city is that school. So to engage the culture, what does it look like? When I got here uh, as youth pastor, when I got hired on to be youth pastor, and I, 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 I had my own stuff. You guys know my story. The Lord had to deal with me on some things before he could really build my ministry. But when he dealt in me the things that needed to be dealt with, and my heart was finally aligned with him, what I knew immediately was that I will never get kids in this building if I don't first go to where they are. Because the only way I would get them in this building is to sacrifice what I believe. And that would be to get all the toys and all the games and all the entertainment that would attract them in like a bug zapper. And I just have no desire to do that. I have no desire to base my ministry around a, an Xbox or a cool TV or anything like that. So now we're, we've got TVs and we've got ways to we've got we're, we're in touch with technology. OK, I'll just say that. So we're not we're not absent that. But. That just wasn't the ministry. That wasn't the model of my heart. And the Lord said, be where they are. So I said, okay. And then all of a sudden, he started opening up opportunities. And pretty soon, I was coaching there. And I was teaching the swim lessons there. And I was mentoring there. I had access like that to every kid in that school. Every day, I saw every kid in Sundown, Texas. It was awesome. And that, that was where ministry took place. That was where ministry took place. Ministry on the sidelines of football games. That's where it happened in the weight room, uh, in the pool with these kids. This is where ministry took place for me. And I saw my youth ministry increase because I was where they were first. And I also, people are, there, there is a stigma of being in the Bible Belt People don't want to come here because they feel like they have to be something before they get here, right? But when they engage you with where they're comfortable, they realize very quickly, you're just like me. 
You're just another person. And then all of a sudden they're open to anything and any word from God that you have for them. They'll hear it and they'll receive it because they trust you because they see themselves. They see a real person before them, right? Not this primed and proper image of Christianity or whatever that is. They see somebody real and authentic. But so I got to be for so many years where they were and I still miss it. I hate going to football games because I have to sit in the stands now and I don't like it. I'm not comfortable there. I'm more comfortable running up and down the sidelines with all the other kids and, and throwing them around and getting headbutted with helmets. Like that's where I feel at home. Uh, but I still now I get to engage with the culture in a different way because I get to sit next to people that maybe don't know me or don't come here. And, or, or, or having a hard time with things, and I get to engage with them church. We, we got to be where they are, engaging with them and establishing hope in them. There was no life in that valley in Ezekiel 37. So what did the Lord do? He brought life into the valley. Church, I'm telling you right now, there is no life in Sundown, Texas. There's no hope in Sundown, Texas. There's no joy in Sundown, Texas. So what has He done? He has brought those anointed with hope, joy, and light. And He has placed them in their midst. You are not here by accident. You were anointed and you were set apart and you have been established in this community. As Ezekiel was established and placed in that valley, you have been established and placed here to bring life into the valley and pull the dry bones into that life. Again, it's the model of Jesus. He didn't wait for us to get to Him because, again, He knew we were just dry bones. He came and He brought life to us where we were. Amen? What, when all of us have this moment of salvation, what happens? You didn't go somewhere specific. It's not like there's a salvation station set up every couple of miles in the community. You were open and He came. You had an encounter with Him because He made Himself available to you. He came to where you were. Jesus came to where we were. Every instance of Jesus, the, the lame man by the pool, the, the woman at the well, He is going to where they are to transform their story. Why would our life be any different? You have been called to be where they are. You have not been called to sit in the church and wait for them to come. Now when they come, we'll receive them. When they come in, I want them to see joy. I want them to see friendship and love. But I also don't want them to come in here not knowing at least some of you. Because I want them to have engaged and encountered you in the presence of God in you out there. There is no point. We have, this is... One thing that Melissa and I have talked about and Darby and we all talked about it, we never got enough time with our, the people we're ministering to. We never got enough time with them. We get those kids for a little bit and then they're gone out into the world for six days. We don't have any influence on them. And church, we cannot expect God to transform this community because we meet at 1045 on a Sunday once a week. That ain't going to get it done. There are six other days where they can encounter the presence of God through you. Because it's not like you're sleeping those other six. You're awake, you're living and active, you're a part of the story. And you are to engage with them where they are. Amen? Amen. It's time for this community to know us. 
Not just know about us, not just see us, not just see us active in the community, but to know us. To know that we are those that carry life. To be at the football games, to be at the concerts, to be at other events, to be a part of what this community has going on. And so much of what this community has going on revolves around our kids. And if you want to engage the culture, engage the school. You don't have to have a kid in it to engage it. You just don't have to. Engage these people. If we want transformation in this city, you've got to go to where they are. And I can guarantee in a couple weeks, I know where they're going to be Friday nights. I know where they're going to be. And then I know where they're going to be after that. I know where they're going to be on Tuesdays, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. I can tell you where they're all going to be. Four days out of the week, I can guarantee you they're going to be in a basketball gym. And then after that, they're going to be watching a track meet. And then after that, they're going to be watching baseball games. Church, it is so easy for us because we know exactly where they're going to be. This is the easiest. The Lord, this is like T-ball right now. The Lord is setting it on there. It's going to be easy to hit. You just have to be willing to engage them where they're at. Amen? Amen. To be present. He has called us into the valley, church. And this is, this is a, a big moment. He has called us into the valley, but will we enter? He's called us, but will you go into it? Will you walk into the valley as He has called you into the valley? Because you still have a choice. You can say no and stay on the top. Or will you enter with us? My prayer is that the answer would be yes. But it is your choice. But I pray that your answer is yes. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.